Jesus walks on water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Amen. And now for the second reading from Hebrews 11, 1 to 12. By faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Well, this is it. Hopefully the words that you hear from me today are from God. Put upon my heart. I've got to say I've known this passage for the last six weeks. Okay, it's part of the Essentials 100. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but what it sure makes you do is pray about what the words are going to be said. Wrote out five times, scribbled. Wrote down again five times, scribbled out. So here goes. Firstly, we start from the passage from Matthew. To put it into context, it had been a full day where Jesus had just been feeding the 5,000. Now, I can't imagine how that must have been. A miracle in itself. Very tiring, I would imagine. Jesus sent the disciples ahead of him in a boat. And then he went alone to pray on the mountainside. Now it says that at night time, Jesus went away to pray, and it was just before dawn when he actually went onto the water. Now I don't, I don't know about you, but in today's life, that's a, a really long time. Who stops? Who prays from night to just before dawn? I see that as a great example. I need to take notice of that myself. I know Ron Gemmell did something recently um, where he stopped and really prayed and, and listened to God. There was four amazing miracles within the passage of Matthew. There was Jesus walking on the water. You kind of expect that, it's Jesus. He's a miracle man. There's Peter that walked on the water. Wow. There was the wind and the waves that stopped immediately. And there was the people that were ill, that were cured when they got to the other side. And I won't say the name of where they were going because it's quite tough. So that's four miracles in the space of like one Bible reading. And what I will say is this. The words of the Bible are so, so powerful. I went to Spring Harvest last year with a, a group of people from church and there was a lady on the stage and I, I can't for the life of me remember her name. I've got it wrote down somewhere. But she brought the words of the Bible to life. And actually, I've, I've kind of lived that for the last six weeks. It's, it's so powerful when you look deeper and deeper and deeper into a passage. So my encouragement, or one of my encouragements for you today, is when you do read the Bible, and you think you've got it, read it again. And go over it. And read it again. Because there'll be something that you pick out of it that you just didn't see before. When it refers to Peter, I kind of find this fascinating for Peter. For me, Peter's like the 
one of the key men in this. Well, clearly he is because he's mentioned a lot of times. But in verse 28 it says, Lord, if it's you. There was doubt there. He thought he was seeing a ghost. All the disciples did. But actually Peter had the courage to question. It was Peter that put his hand up and asked the question. Maybe that's relevant for you. Maybe it's for you to to ask that question. Tell me to come on the water. He continues in verse 28. Peter sees this as an opportunity. Can you imagine saying, let me walk on the water? Blows my mind. I've thought about it for six weeks, still blows my mind. It's almost like a kid going, oh, let me jump in the pool and see if I can swim. Really? No lessons? Don't know what's going to happen? Just go for it. And what's so, so powerful is God saying, doesn't overcomplicate things. Unlike me sometimes. Come. So powerful. It was very clear, simple. Peter needed to hear no more. He's like, yeah, game for this. God said it, I'm right with you. Peter got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. It goes on in in verse 30. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. So he was up for it. He's out of the boat and he saw some obstacles in his way. He got frightened. He took his focus off Jesus. So there are obstacles, and he took his focus off Jesus. And you know what? He began to sink. I think there's a really powerful message in there somewhere. But then Peter did something that was great for me. Lord, save me. Again, he asked. He requested, he demanded, Lord, save me. He'd taken his focus off Jesus, but you know what? He got it right back on there. Lord, save me. If you've got problems, if you've got issues, Lord, save me. How powerful is that? Keep that in your heart, honestly. It's a banker every time. So what do you think Jesus did? Jesus saved him. Pulled him up by the hand. When they got in the boat, the winds and the waves died down. Now Jesus said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But what he didn't say was you of no faith. I actually don't see that he was condemning Peter at that point. 
I actually see that he was encouraging him to recognise the moment. To recognise the opportunity to draw closer to God. To come to Jesus. So he had some faith and he wanted to make it even stronger. And that was, that was the point of this message. It wasn't rebuking him for what he'd done wrong. Because actually he was the one that had put his hand up and was willing to go with it. He got out of the boat. None of the other disciples did. The other disciples had stayed there. They were in their comfort zone. It was stormy waters, it was stormy seas. And what's really important is that Peter grew in faith because he'd seen a miracle and felt a miracle. What do you think happened to the other disciples? They also grew in faith. So when people see things that happen of Christians doing amazing things by being out of their comfort zone, people follow that. People see that. People see people working in Jesus' life. And they follow because it's acceptable because they've seen it. They've witnessed it. We live in that visual world. (coughs) Truly, you are the Son of God. It was confirmation. It was affirmation that it was Jesus. It was the Son of God. I still can't get my head around why the disciples needed that. Rightly or wrongly, I assume that they'd They'd already kind of banked it. And they gave that unconditionally. But actually it's not always that simple. Jesus was showing miracles just to reconfirm that message. So when you think about yourselves, okay, in the context of walking on water, and you're thinking about what's going on in your life, think about walking on water in terms of if you're in your comfort zone, or you're out of it, simply, from a faith point of view. Where are you? Are you in the boat, nice and comfy, come to church on a Sunday morning? Speak to other Christians? Nice person? Nothing wrong with that. That's great. Or are you, have you got one foot inside the boat and one foot out you're kind of on the edge a bit unbalanced where you're sort of throwing your faith out a bit further to see what God's really asking you to do have you asked a question or are you completely in the water but fearing the waves being held back and restricted by the wind doing what God has asked you to do for him but not in God's power not in God's presence or in his time or are you walking on water and if you are hallelujah and amen to that and you know what we condemn people so much and we say what's so negative and so wrong all the time be a shining light Spread that word. Show what you're doing to walk on water. Show where you're out of your comfort zone and God's leading you. And continue to be led by God with your faith. And as a church, 
Where are we as a body and as a, as a church family, as a Christian family with faith? Now, I'm not going to explore that too much, but I think it's something that we really should think about. Are we really comfortable? Are we giving ourselves a great pat on the back that we're doing everything great? And we're in our comfort zone? Or do we need to be stretching the boundaries a little bit on what God's really asking us to do as a church, as a group of people? Please pray about that in the week ahead. And if, if someone feels anything or thinks anything, it'd be, it'd be wonderful to share that. So, quite a big topic that, and, and, you know, big, big, meaty stuff. So, I was, I was sat at home yesterday, so I've, I've thought about six, six weeks about the service, and then I kind of just, I'd heard some noise and I looked behind me. So I was thinking, well, oh, and I just wanted to share a picture with you. And I don't know if you can see this, but it's, um, it's from the Willis Tower in Chicago. Okay, and although my lovely wife, Mand, you can pass that around if you want, um, looks quite happy in that photograph and is smiling, let me guarantee you one thing. She wasn't like that all day. Okay? She was bricking it. I'm going to be open and honest and say that. She was bricking it. I tried to persuade her in all of my might to get her to go on the sky deck ledge at the highest of the second tallest building in the Western world, at approximately 1,353 feet above street level. I said that without even reading my notes, which is great. There was no way on earth she was walking out. Not a chance. She was bricking it with fear. I did everything I possibly could. I was like, you know, husband, I'm just going to get you to walk out there. It's all going to be great. No. I was useless. She was not having any of it. So I was like, right, okay. So I started to queue up to go on it because I thought, I've got to do it. It's a great opportunity. 1.3 million people come and do this every year. What can go wrong? <laughs> Surely, if they've all done it, I can do it, and that's fine. I was even thinking about doing a pressel, but there wasn't the room to do it, unfortunately. So I get to queue up, and then all of a sudden she comes beside me. And grips my hand and is registered. I'm like, what's, what's going on? So we kind of, we go and, as we sort of teeter out, and she's holding me really, really tight, and then she looks up to the camera and does a smile. Not sure whether that was false or not. And then we walked off. And I kind of thought, what on, how on earth have you just come out there and done it? You must have been really, really brave. And she turned around to me and she said, I wasn't. Lynn, who I've known for about 10 years, I call her my American mom, she said, just look at me, keep your eyes on me and focus on me. It's all you need to do. And that's why she agreed to do it. She said, well, if I don't, if I don't take my focus off you, then I won't, I won't fear anything. There's nothing for me to fear and I can take the photograph and I can be over 1,353 feet above street level and everything will be okay. And I was like, wow, how cool is that? What a simple, great explanation is that? So it was only yesterday that I kind of clucked it together and went, after 10 months, I went, oh, so if you keep your 
focus on someone or something, it actually it's much, much easier to achieve. A bit like Peter eventually did when he was focusing on Jesus. Just, just as an example, I was like, oh, you know, that, that's great. And thanks, man, for allowing me to share that story. <laughs> she was delighted with that. So I want to move on to the Hebrews passage, Hebrews 11. First of all, in verse 1, there's a definition of what faith is. It's quite important to realise what it is if we're going to talk about it. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So we, we could have talked about gravity at this point, all the scientific things, all the things around us that we don't see that we kind of know exist and are there. Spiritually, that's really tough sometimes. You don't know where you're heading, you don't know what to go, and that's where faith really kicks in. It then says in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's not saying who's the most qualified person in the world. That's not saying the richest person in the world. You've got to believe he exists. To follow him. And he'll reward you for that. It's simple stuff, but if you can live that and keep it on your heart, it's a real tool to use in your life. It goes on throughout the passage to say examples of faith. I've just picked one. We know we're building the ark. Can you imagine someone coming up to you and saying there's troubles ahead? I want you to destroy your back garden. Thinking of Mr. and Mrs. Evans right now. A lovely back garden. Just want you to forget all that work that you've just done. Can you just build a big shelter in there to make sure that it'll be safe? You just need lots of concrete slabs because something's going to happen. Wow. Exactly. You... It'd be really difficult to go, okay, I'm just going to destroy 20 years worth of work or however long it's been that you've sorted your garden out. I'm just going to destroy all that and I'm going to put something really ugly, but I know that it'll protect me. You know, we all, it's a very famous story, the story you know, and I've just looked at it a different way this time. The faith to know that it was the right thing to do because it was heeded about the trouble that would come. Led by the Holy Spirit. Sounds pretty good to me. Much, much harder to put into practice than it is to just read a story and and look at the word sometimes. So I've got an example of where I say I, it was many more people than I, had a bit of a challenge around faith. So... I'd done a marathon, uh, 2004 I believe, and then last year, or the year before, I can't remember, rubbish for timelines, I had a dream that I needed to do something big for charity. Okay, quite open-ended. 
bit strange. Don't really know what I'm doing. And then I decided that after prayer, I was, was going to run the equivalent of Land's End to John O'Groats. No harm in that, it's only 828 miles. Oh, okay, uh, not quite sure where that come, on, come from. Had to be manageable, so I did it by doing it seven miles a day. That was a challenge over four months. Put your hand up if you think, at the beginning, I thought I could complete that challenge. Unfortunately, you're wrong. I, I didn't know that. Didn't have a clue. But you know what? I held up my hands. I didn't pre-qualify it. I said, Lord, if this is from you, make it happen. And the amount of times I prayed on that journey each day when I was running was incredible. It was wonderful, but what I also did is I pre-qualified it. So I came into church and I said, I know this is a strange request or whatever, but I just, I'm, I'm doing something I kind of want people to pray about it. And, and if, if you're up for the fight, occasionally along the way, does someone want to join in a little bit just to kind of help me out and support me along the way? Um, Andrew Bennett kind of put his hand up and said, I'm just thinking about doing some of it with you. Uh, but I need to go away. I need to speak to my family. And I'll come back to you. And I was like, went out of the room. I was like, wow. It's not just for me. It's actually God speaking this. And this is just incredible. So went away and, and, um, and the rest is history, really. A, a bromance was formed. It's, it's not my words. It's what other people say. Um, and we raised over £3,000 for charity. We completed the run. We had injuries along the way. So two weeks in, shin splints, not good. Uh, slightly worried about completing it all, but we'll really put it at God's door. And it was absolutely God at the centre of that. That was not just me going, oh, let's do something wacky. Which, if I'm honest, in the past I'd, I'd done. But it was God-centred. The focus was on God. And actually, Agape was one of the charities that received money from the run. And we did it, and, and actually it wasn't just ourselves that completed the run, so there's other people that ran out in the community, which then just was really powerful. Because it wasn't just one person doing it, it was actually God working in three or four or five or six people's lives. And what an encouragement that was. But what it did do is it gave me an absolute example of faith, to put faith in in God to complete the task that he'd given. I constantly prayed for, for God's strength. Okay, so moving on, can we have the first slide, Colin? Okay, so there's, there's four pictures I'd like you just to have a quick look at. On the left we have a top left. What, what's that? Kettle. Top right? Football ground. Anyone know which one? Oh, nearly. Old Trafford. Bottom left? 
joggers, London marathon runners, yes, bottom right, bulbs, okay, I'll go with that, all right, which is the odd one out of that? If you think it's the bulbs, Carol, put your hand up. If you think it's a football ground, put your hand up. If you think it's the marathon runners, put your hand up. If you think it's the kettle, put your hand up. Manjuri cheat, you know the answer. <laughs> now, could be wrong, but this is my take on it, so let's go with it. The football or sport or the unknown, actually, a lot of people put their faith in the fact that they don't know what's going to happen, but they really believe their team's going to win. Last night was actually a classic example of a team that was about to get beat with two minutes to go in injury time. And they scored and they came back. And actually, there's millions of people all over the world that live and breathe that week in, week out. So it's not just about me talking about football, even though I was delighted that I could fit it in somewhere. And they put the faith in that their team are going to do it. I did that until Charlotte Ferguson retired. I'll just, we'll leave it at that. The bulbs, my wife puts bulbs in the ground, okay, in about October. She has the faith that in May, April, May, sometime, clearly I know the planting seasons. They spring up into lovely flowers and the slugs don't eat them all. I think I'm half right on that, yeah. Marathon runners, mentioned before I've been a marathon runner. Wow. Until you've done it, I don't think you know, but it's like I trained 14 miles to my marathon and it was 26 miles. I had to have a lot of faith that I kind of got through to the end. I had some injuries that prevented me doing the whole training program, so it was like, please just help me on the last little bit the last little bit of eight miles, just see me through it. But you'll get people that only actually train up to 18 miles. And it's, it's tough, but people have faith that they kind of can continue and, and go through. Sorry, I'll correct myself, the last 12 miles on my example. And then the kettle kind of does what it says on the tin. Kettle's the old one out because it, it, just, it just pulls. You expect it to do it. As long as it's working and it's fine and the plug's okay, just does it. I do have faith that it'll kind of mean that man speaks to me in the morning after I give her a cup of tea, but that's probably a bit of a tenuous link. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's now look at how Martin Luther King describes faith. Faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. Let's read that again. Faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. Bit like getting out of the boat when you don't know what's going to happen. I'll leave that with you. I'm now going to, I'm delighted to 
bring a special guest up to speak about faith. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's really nice to be back. Hi, my name's Kay. Not all of you know me. My name's Kay Thompson. I was an active elder in this church um, up until about two years ago, and I had to really step out the boat. Uh, Two years ago, my husband came home and said, we've been given an opportunity to go and live in Asia. So I didn't just say, whoopee, when are we going? Because I had an awful lot to think about. I had my job, I had my church, I had parents who weren't in the best of health. I had a son just graduated from university. I had a daughter about to do her A-levels. Uh, and then look at university and I had my life and I thought oh my goodness I can't just say yippee let's go so I did what I always do and I prayed and I prayed a lot Um, and I kind of started off with a shopping list like okay God I want my mum and dad to stay well I want Jen to do really well in her A-levels I want Mark to get a job and Blah, 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 blah. And I had this big shopping list. And then the next day, I want Jen to get her A-levels. And and I just thought, I hate going to God with a shopping list. I I want to pray just that if this is the right thing for me to do, tell me. And we've been talking a lot in the church about whole life discipleship. um, And about with our faith, um, where is your front line? And this was a, a, a line that kept coming to me. Every time I prayed, I heard God saying, where is your front line? Where do you step out your door to show people your faith and how it works in your life? And I thought, well, maybe my front line's just going to be a few thousand miles away. So I was talking to a girl that used to come here from Germany called Sousa, that we all know, some of us. And Sousa said to me, we were talking about praying and faith, and I said... I feel as though I just go to God with a shopping list. And he said, well, she said, why don't you just be patient? And I thought, you know, that's true. Because we always want things in our time. You know, I I really want this to happen. And why is it not happening, God? But it does. It just happens in God's time. So I stopped my shopping list. And I just every morning would say, God, Give me patience, you know, is this the right thing to do? And we made the decision, we talked about it, my husband and I, and we said, yes, we're going to go. So there was a lot of things to do, as you can imagine, I'll not bore you with. But do you know what? Looking back, everything that was on my shopping list happened. It didn't all happen before I went. My parents didn't move until after I had moved. My daughter got her A-levels, went to university, my son got a job, he eventually got headhunted and ended up in Singapore with us, which is another answered prayer. But it was just the fact that I had to be faithful and I had to listen. I had to listen. And the first time we went to Singapore, because we decided that's where we would go and live, we went out for a walk. And I had been praying, do you know, God, there's Chinese temples, there's Indian temples, there's Buddhist temples, there's Christian churches, there are so many diverse religions and cultures in Singapore I want to find a church that I can feel part of because I'm so part of this church I feel so blessed to go somewhere and just be the wifey that walks in I didn't want that I wanted to be part of it 
and we were walking along the road one day and we'd been to see an, an apartment and we came to this lovely church and I said, oh, that's lovely. And we went to the notice board and it was Thompson Road Baptist Church. And I thought, TR Church, TR Church, and my name's Thompson. Hmm, I wonder if God's trying to tell me something here. So we decided we would go to church that day. And I thought I was being really clever because it was an 8.30 service, 10.30, So I thought, oh, we'll get a lie in. We'll go to the 5.30 service. And it was a Chinese service. I never read the small print. So we ended up at church, all in Chinese. My poor husband's sitting there looking at me saying, where have you brought me? But I just felt a really nice feeling in the church. So I said, okay, God, maybe this is my church. So then we we came back home. That was in the February and we didn't move to the September. So I hadn't gone near the place. Moved in September. Uh, A couple of weeks in, went back to the church and one of the ladies remembered me because I was the only Caucasian in the place. So, but she remembered me. She welcomed me. She took my details. She then sent me an email to say, it was lovely to see you in church. And I thought, Yeah, so now I've got two TR churches. I've got my Singapore church and I've got my UK church. But I couldn't have done it without a lot of prayer. I really couldn't because I really was stepping out the boat. I was leaving everybody and everything behind. And Graham and I were going off somewhere. We didn't know a soul. And I did have my wobble on the water when you were talking about that. We'd been there two weeks and we only had each other. We didn't know a soul and Graham was off because we were getting the house ready. And then you flew off to Australia, I think. And I was on my own. And I had my phone. And I took my Kindle. And I thought, I've cleaned my apartment so much. I need to do something. So I went down for a coffee in the, the shopping mall. And everybody in Asia texts. Everybody are on their laptops. And I got my coffee. And I put my phone there. And I looked at my phone. And I thought, I've got Graham, who's in Australia, in my phone. I've got the air conditioning people so that I can get my aircon serviced. And I've got cold storage, which is a supermarket to get shopping delivered. Not another so. And I'm used to people texting me and calling me. And I looked at my phone and I looked all around about and everyone was... And I just felt this horrible sadness over me. So I drank my coffee and I picked up my phone and I went up the road and I got in my apartment and I sobbed my heart out. I broke my heart crying and I cried and I cried and then I sat down and I'm I'm really sorry, God. (laughs) And I looked at what I had and I thought, my kids are healthy. My mum and dad were okay at that time. My daughter's happy. My son's happy. I've got a lovely new home. My husband and I love each other. Why am I crying? And after that, I went, right, that's enough. I'm, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm really sorry. I'm really ungrateful. I'm sorry. Went to the gym the next day, met somebody in the gym who's now my friend. Went to church again that Sunday. Everybody's like, yeah, give me your number. We'll call. We'll go for coffee. And I just thought, okay. So I had my wobble on the water, but I'm fine now. But you have, you have to... Not just pray and say, dear God, I want this and I want this. You have to listen as well. Because if you don't listen, there's no point in praying. Thank you.
Well, sometimes you're challenged with things that unexpectedly come up. We all have the challenges. And we all, if most if not all, have, have faith wherever we're at in that journey. To really streamline my, my faith story, because I know you've all got the Monaco Grand Prix to go and watch after the service... started a while back so I I was a little bit unwell I think it's fair to say and effectively I ended up in hospital and really really difficult challenging time in, in my life it's fair to say and you know what it's when it's when I, God was the most powerful in my life. It's when I felt faith the strongest. It's when I didn't really have a choice but to accept the Lord and let go. At that time, I had very little. And I did do that. I gave God my 100%. Didn't know where it was going to take me. Didn't have an expectation. It's a testament today that his word is coming through my mouth. And there's been a huge number of people support me along that journey. Especially members of this church. And I'm really, really grateful and and thankful for that. And some special guests in the audience as well. You know who you are. I also realise the power of prayer. The power of stopping, the power of listening. As Kay's just said, it's okay having your shopping list, but it's useless if you don't listen. It's about God's plan, not your plan. It's about being open to the journey that He's got for you. Sometimes you may not agree with it. Sometimes it may be against what you say or you believe. And it may be that, you know what, you've not even accepted God in the first instance. My opinion, that's okay, because we all start off somewhere. And my encouragement to you is just to have an open heart. An open heart to the possibility that one day Jesus will be in your life. Because it's an amazing, fascinating journey power of what faith can do is yet unknown to us but what God can deliver I'd never question that it's too powerful and, and it's wonderful and what I do know is this if you release your fears and you pass them to the foot of the cross it helps you realise your potential If you let that fear hold you and grip you 
and keep you back, how can you go and do God's work for God's glory? So whatever's, whatever your fear is, whatever your troubles are, whatever's holding you back, pass it at the foot of the cross. So you can do the work that God has for you. Now, just really quickly, I just want to think about, and I've not got it to hand, it's actually in my car where it always sits. But it's about footprints as the passage. And see a few nods. And footprints is really powerful for me because it's what my granddad had 20 years ago. And I always remember seeing it and it was kind of then indoctrinated into my life and I didn't really know about it. And just the notion that God carries you in your time of trouble is so amazing. Equally, God carrying you in your time of triumph doing his work for his glory is even more amazing and powerful because it is God's work, it is God's glory if it's centred through him and others see it. It's not false, it's not fake and if it is, people will see through that so easily. So I just want to encourage you okay, in the week ahead Pause. Spend some time listening to God. Recall examples of faith in your life. When have things gone well? When have you put your faith into something that's really worked? Let your fears go. If you let God deal with your fears, you don't have to worry about them. And I know that sounds really easy, but face an attitude. Fear is an attitude. If you can be really positive about fear and pass it to God and really live and work that, again, it's, imp- it's incredibly powerful. Realise your potential with God's support, but ask for his help. Remain focused on God. If there's anything that you take away from today it's this remain focused on God because that's what it's about and you know what if you're doing something that's not aligned to what he says and what his word and his message is do something about it change it if you're not following the example that he lays down change it get others to help you with that pray about it and put it into action. But don't let fear overrun your life. Be fearless and faithful. Fearless and faithful. Thank you very much.